What are you doing right now? Perhaps you're in the supermarket. Maybe you're on a run or on the commute. But wherever you are in the world, and whatever you're doing, right now you're also listening to my voice. This is the power of podcasts. The ability to communicate with your audience in an intimate and intentional way through audio. I'm B. Duncan, Senior Partnerships Producer at Intelligence Squared. We've been a world-leading forum for talks, debates and events for over two decades. And we also use our cutting-edge curation, creativity and editorial expertise to elevate your brand to new audiences with podcasting. Intrigued? To find out what we can do for your organisation, book into a free consultation with me today. Find out more by going to www.intelligencesquared.com forward slash partnerships. Hi Versus listeners. Before we begin the show today, I just wanted to let you know there's even more Versus out there if you're an Intelligence Squared member. Become a member of Intelligence Squared and you can receive early episodes of Versus and listen ad-free too. Visit intelligencesquared.com forward slash membership to join. Apple listeners sign up via the podcast app. Hello and welcome to Versus, the podcast that finally settles the little debates that are always a big deal to someone. I'm Coco Khan and this week our someones are Simon Jenkins and Anthony Scaramucci, two people with a love for city life but for two quite different urban metropolis. Simon Jenkins is a regular newspaper columnist and formerly editor of the Evening Standard and the Times newspapers. He used to chair the National Trust, the UK's foremost heritage organisation, and he literally wrote the book on his home city of London. That is a short history of London in all good bookshops now. Anthony Scaramucci is a financier and a founder of Skybridge Capital. He's also known as The Mooch. You may remember him as former White House Director of Communications for a record 11 days. And he's been described by one newspaper as being as New York as skyscrapers, subways and Sinatra. Simon and Anthony are going head to head and city to city this week as they debate the ultimate one, London versus New York. The most important point about a city is, does everybody get on? And on the whole, what I like about London is on the whole, people get on here. I still feel like New York is a place where you can go and in a very short period of time, you not only become a New Yorker, but you become an American. And I think this is something that has broader appeal. But remember, which city takes the top spot is up to you, the listeners. After each episode drops, we open up the polls for you to vote on our website. We'll announce the winner in next week's episode. Last week, we invited mathematician Junaid Mabeen and gamer journalist and presenter Lucy James to a winner-takes-all showdown. It was board games versus video games. And the results are in. As we go to air right now, the winner is video games. Congratulations, Lucy James. The video gamers took it by a comfortable margin, 69 to 31%. Game over. Now, before we hear from our guests, I want to crunch a few facts. It's time for another helping of Coco's Crunch. 
So, London, been around a while. The Romans founded the trading settlement of Londinium in 43 AD and cutting a very long story very short, by around the 17th century, London had about 500,000 people living in it and nearly all of them in wooden houses. The Great Fire of London in the 1660s didn't do many of them any favours. Around the Victorian time, the city was also the heart of the British Empire, sowing the foundations over the coming century for London to grow into the multicultural hub from Hackney to Hammersmith that it is today, also surviving the blitz in between. Today, the modern city is home to around nearly 9 million people who speak around 300 different languages. New York, the city that's so good they named it twice, was originally home to the Lenape tribe with European settlers arriving by the 16th century. By 1624, the Dutch West India Company had coined the region New Amsterdam. In 1664, Britain seized New Amsterdam, renaming it New York after the then Duke of York. And by 1895, scattered locales such as the Bronx, Queens, Brooklyn, Manhattan and Staten Island consolidate to become the five boroughs of Greater New York. And the city's skyscape has grown ever more iconic and proud since, not least of which during the tragedy of the 9-11 attacks in 2001. Today, New Yorkers number around 8 million and they speak around 800 different languages. Coco's Crunch. Okay, so let's get to opening arguments. Simon, you're here to tell us why London is your favourite city. So what is it about the place that puts it above anywhere else? Well, can I first of all say I love New York? I just happen to love London even more. So uh, so there's no hard feelings here. <laughs> um, uh, the reason why I love London is quite straightforward. And it's not just because I've always lived there. Um, London is one of the most peculiar cities in having never had to be um, fortified or defended or concentrated. And it's therefore spread out over the London basin uh, throughout its history. And this has enabled it to have a very diverse personality. It has lots of villages. Um, it has lots of, um, of historic neighbourhoods. Uh, London is, and this is what I love most about London, a very, very various city. Uh, it's not like, as I see it, New York to be, a similar city. Uh, it's the diversity of London, um, the extraordinary colourfulness of London, the fact that you can walk for an hour and go through four or five different c- c- sort of scenes and areas of London that I find most fascinating and most diverting. Um, London's the city I never mind spending a weekend in. That's, to me, the ultimate test of a city. Okay, Anthony, over to you. Why is New York the Big Apple that we all speak of? Well, first of all, like Simon, I do have a love affair with London. I arrived in London at the age of 21 in 1985 to do a semester at the London School of Economics, and it was impossible not to fall in love with the the city of London. And so everything that Simon says about London is totally true. And we both know that there's great similarities between these two amazing cities. Uh, But I think that New York wins by a hair for a couple of different reasons. Let me just stipulate this to all the people listening in from the UK. The fact that we turn on our air conditioning should just allow us to win this entire debate. The fact that we have mega amounts of ice cubes should allow us to win this debate. But let me just go into a few things, okay? We have cold beer, we have American baseball and we have American football. And uh, you know what else we have? We have dentistry. Do you guys know what dentists are in the UK? We have them here in New York, okay? So, yes, I see to Simon that he has an amazing city with amazing uh, melting pot, amazing culture. And frankly, New York mimicked a lot of what London is. And so we owe a great debt to the city of London for this great metropolis known as New York. But sometimes when you mimic something, you can make things better. 
And I think we've done that here uh, in the United States with New York City. Interesting. I'm not entirely sure New York owns ice cubes, but nonetheless, we we shall move on. This for the debate. (laughs) Simon can disagree with me. I just think we have more of them here. When I go to a restaurant in London, I ask for ice cubes in my Coca-Cola. They give me two ice cubes. I mean, who does that? When I go to Starbucks, I would like an iced coffee. That means like lots of ice in the coffee. Oh, I, no, I, I capitulate totally on ice cubes. I'm obsessed with having entire glasses of ice cubes with my whiskey. Um, I have to say, I was once in New York, and they made a great thing about having imported the ice cubes from Greenland. Uh, I mean, they had a ship which came down from Greenland with real Greenland ice cubes, Arctic ice cubes. I thought, come on now, uh, we, 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 we can do better than that. We can make our own. Well, OK. Well, look, I was very interested in Anthony's point that New York ultimately mimics London. Perhaps you can share some of your insights into the marvel of London city planning. Well, I think I think that, that there's lifestyle questions and there's uh, sort of physical questions. And what I think gives London the, the edge um, by more than a hair, is the physicality of it. New York, um, which is a history I've studied, New York was essentially a planned city. Uh, and I don't believe terribly in planning in that sense. Um, I once walked from Broadway, from downtown right to uptown along Broadway. And although it changed, it didn't change very much. Um, uh, I, I know New Yorkers can detect subtle differences. Um, it's like walking up Fifth Avenue. Um, it doesn't change very much. Uh, there aren't parks and gardens all the way. There's one huge park at the end. Um, the thing that just fascinates me about London, and it still does, and I still walk London all the time, is that there's no such thing as a boring walk in London. Um, you can go from one neighbourhood to another, from Soho to Marylebone, uh, across to Hoxton, down to Borough, utterly different cities. Um, one of the things I think is most important about a city is it's a place you can relax in. I, I know New York well. <laughs> I lived there for a while. I never relaxed for a minute. Uh, there's always something going on. There's a buzz in the street. There's some activity taking place. When you go out into the street, you're always going somewhere. What's my destination is always the question I ask myself in New York. In London, I honestly can relax. Um, in New York, every building um, is on the sidewalk up. Uh, in London, um, buildings have a garden, they have a front door, they may not have a front door. Um, most people live in houses in London, not in flats, in apartments. New York is full of apartments, um, very few houses. Now, we're lucky, but nonetheless, that, that, that affects the quality of life in London. And it's this ability to, to change pace, to slow down, to spend time, to, 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 to sit among the trees, um, that I find the real quality that London has over almost any other city. And I think it's the one that's going to serve it best in the future, not the worst. Um, I would encourage Simon, uh, because I'm, when listening to him, I, I feel like he's really spent a lot of time in, in the borough of Manhattan, uh, which is a canyon-like borough, tons of skyscrapers, and a mess of activity. But if you go out to places like Staten Island, where my family is, is from, or you go to places like uh, Astoria, Queens, as an example, there are homes and there are... Uh, relaxation areas of the city, you know, lots of big parks and homes and, uh, you know, separated homes, not townhomes and things like that. When I walk London, um, I love the fact that there's a very modern city is infused with this very old world architecture. So I do I do appreciate what Simon is saying, but we do have that rest and relaxation component to New York. It's just not in the canyons, let's say, where the density is, not not in where the skyscrapers are. Uh, but, you know, those those skyscrapers give life to some great companies. 
I've spent 20 years at Skybridge Capital, less my 11-day fiasco in Washington, in one of those skyscrapers. Uh, and we built a very nice business, and we've got lots of families that we're supporting uh, through that business. And I'll just, I'll just make one last point, and I would like to get Simon's reaction to this. Uh, it's one of class mobility. You know, I grew up in, in an area where uh, my accent is easily read. Uh, you, can, you can decidedly discern from my accent that I'm a blue-collar kid. Uh, I managed to get myself into Harvard Law School, but I am a blue-collar kid. And I'm just wondering out loud if people from Bethnal Green, from ex for example, could have the same type of rise in a city like London that I have had in New York. Now, maybe Simon will say yes to that, um, but I sort of feel that the answer to that is no. Uh, and in particular, I have one of my partners who moved out of Bethnal Green, uh, who's been with me for 20 years, who does quite well in New York. I mean, the New Yorkers think his Bethnal Green accent is the Queen's English, of course, which is why he's doing so well. But I'm just wondering what Simon would say about class mobility and the different... Uh, stratifications that go on in a city like London? Well, it's a fair question. Um, I think probably I would say that London has a, a more traditional class structure than New York has. Um, but at the same time, London's now outdoes New York in its um, accessibility to outside foreign-based people. One third of the population of London now was born abroad. And that is, quite frankly, phenomenal. It's by far the greatest of any city on earth, I think. Um, and London now is, is, is a different place than what it was I mean, 25, 35 years ago when I first came here or first living here. Um, so although there's no doubt at all that traditional class distinctions in Britain still apply and they are reflected to a certain extent in accent. And I can talk I can talk to a taxi driver um, uh, as I frequently do, and we have an utterly different voice in every sense. Nonetheless, we're both Londoners, and we have a conversation about London. Uh, we're enjoying London. We love living in London. Um, the things that make London worth living in aren't affected by that class distinction. I honestly don't distinct, uh, think. It does apply more uh, other parts of Britain than it does in London. But London, I think, has simply moved on from that. And it's become such a multicultural, multi-ethnic society that you really feel in London now that I, I, I often do wonder, who on earth lives here? I sit in the tube now. I'm frequently the only Londoner on the, in, in the carriage. Um, so I, I don't know. I, mean, I think the, 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 the most important point about a city is, does everybody get on? And on the whole, what I like about London is on the whole, people get on here. Um, we all have a crime problem. We all have a knife problem. We know all that. Um, we often compare, and New York is much, much better than it used to be in comparison with London. I know that. I used to study it. But the fact is that London is, I think, still a very peaceful place. Its accident rate's quite low. Um, I mean, crazy discussion now about whether 20 miles an hour speed limits ought to be imposed. Um, but, but there's a sort of civility to London, which makes it maybe slightly slower, uh, maybe slightly more old-fashioned than New York. But it is, to me, in every way, a more habitable city. And that's what matters. We'll be back after this. So can I just jump in quickly? So we've talked a lot about being comfortable in respective cities. Where is it worse to be uncomfortable? Where is it worse to be broke? Where is it worse to be a minority? Where is it worse to be, yeah, uncomfortable? Can I, can I just interject quickly because I want to say something. Um, it actually probably reinforces one argument that Simon is making, and that is um, about the uh, attraction to foreigners to a place like London versus New York. 
Uh, the United States made a policy mistake, in my opinion, after 9-11. Uh, we became very restrictive in certain areas of the world. And so when I travel in London, I definitely see a broader group of ethnic dispersion uh, in London than we do see in New York. And, and Simon may or may not disagree with me on this, but this is just an observation, not scientific. Prior to 2001, I thought they were somewhat more comparable. I think they became less comparable after 9-11. I think that was a a mistake, policy mistake by the United States, um, uh, and some elements of xenophobia, if I might add. But, but I think I think the real question before we'll talk about poverty and aspiration and the rise in, from poverty in a second. But I think the real question is, what what is the city like for the most amount of people? Uh, and it, depending on your age and your demography and who you are, London may be a better city. Um, but if you think about the broader group of people, and this is what I'm going to suggest. Uh, if you look at a broad cross-section of demography of people that want to have culture, that want to have great restaurants, that want to have ethnic diversity, perhaps slightly less than London, but still great ethnic diversity, uh, and you want to live in a melting pot, um, you know, remember, remember this about the United States. You can become American in the United States. You can come from Italy in the 1920s, and you can assimilate and become American. Uh, Lee Kuan Yew, the founder of Singapore, said it's the greatest advantage that the United States has relative to the rest of these other countries, because you can't go to Japan and in five years become American Japanese or British Japanese, and so on and so forth. Now, maybe in London, you guys are assimilating better than you were 35 years ago when I lived in that city. But I still feel like New York is a place where you can go. And in a very short period of time, you not only become a New Yorker, but you become an American. And I think this is something that has broader appeal. We can talk about poverty now, but I just wanted to mention those points. Um, but on the matter of poverty, I, mean, I, I frequently used to take American friends of mine around London and they often say, can you take me, don't take me to the, show me the poor bits. And I remember taking someone down around Brixton, uh, then North Kensington, and then round North Hackney. And they all say the same thing. Yeah, but where are the poor bits? <laughs> and I said, these are the poor bits. Uh, the 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 the, the, the um, crazy building we took place in, often a very bad housing in the 40s and 50s after the war, more or less wiped out London slums. Um, and replaced them with um, serviceable, serviceable, what's called council flats. Um, but apart from that, uh, newcomers tended to colonise the Victorian quarters of London, uh, Peckham, North Kensington, and so on. Uh, and these look, outwardly, very smart neighbourhoods. They don't look poor, and often they don't behave poor. And I think that, because I believe very strongly that the physical nature of the city, the nature of the housing, the nature of the streets, affects law and order, all the things that Jane Jacobs used to speak about in, in Greenwich Village, um, the, the nature, the physical nature of the housing, the physical nature of the, of, of, of the, of, of the, the townscape has an effect on even one's poverty. I'd rather be poor in London than almost anywhere else. Okay, well, gentlemen, I noticed that we are running down of time, so I'm going to plot twist this and talk a little bit more about our respective city's culture. Here's an unusual question. If you had to define a New Yorker or a Londoner, what would the personality traits be? Anthony, let's start with you. If it's okay, I just want to address the poverty thing for a second, because, you know, this is going out to a broad group of listeners, and I want people to think about this. 
So, so I have to cede the point to Simon on this because I have visited those areas that Simon is suggesting. And what I would say to Simon and people listening is and when Mike Bloomberg was in control of the city, he was building the infrastructure and he was building a quality of life for the city's poor uh, that was quite incredible. For some reason, um, the, the mayor that took over for him, Bill de Blasio, decided to tear down a lot of those policies. Now, you can be mad at me for saying this. I'm not trying to make this political, but this isn't really about left or right. This is about right or wrong policies. And so Mayor Adams is now trying to unwind the eight-year desecration. But we have homeless, uh, which Simon and I both know is a drug addiction issue and perhaps a mental health issue. You know, we call it homelessness, but there's mental health issues related to this. And we were solving for that in 2012 and 2013 when I was on the mayor's financial services advisory board. Uh, they stopped solving for that. Um, you know, there was some kind of sentiment that it was okay to let people go and do whatever they wanted, including defecate on the streets. Um, and so there is a right or wrong policy. And there are things that London can learn from New York, but there are certainly things New York could learn from London. We were on the right track. Hopefully, we can get there again. But I, I will, I will see what Simon is saying. But if you want me to define a New Yorker, I think one of your journalists defined me as a New Yorker. And so, uh, what I would say to you is that uh, we're sentimental and quite emotional. Uh, we love our sports teams, um, but we're also uh, the the best among us are very intellectually curious, and the best among us are striving to find ways to help other people. You know, I could never have gotten to where I am in life without good teachers, without good role models, mentors at work, um, you know, clergy, frankly, people that have helped me along the way. And uh, so I would like to say that the best among us in New Yorkers are aspirational, but we're also willing to lower the ladder for other people to help those people get up the ladder. Uh, I think it's very, very important for me to say that because uh, uh, I experienced it in my life. And uh, but I just want to say one thing. You know, I can't say this about London because I don't know the truth or not. You, you, you know, it's illegal to honk your horn in in New York. You guys may or may not be aware of that, but it is not illegal to go topless. Okay, so I just want to make sure everybody understands that. Okay, because you know we're neck and neck here. This could probably put me over by just mentioning the fact that toplessness is completely legal in the city of New York. <laughs> Simon, I mean, you have been studying the history of London and presumably, therefore, some influential figures in London. Is there a defining Londoner character? I don't know. I was going to ruin your programme by saying I agree with every word Anthony said about New Yorkers. They're, they sound to me like <laughs> Londoners. <laughs> but not now. No, you, you can't go topless in London and you can't help your horn. That's the difference. All right. Well, I think the debate, I think the debate is now over then, I think. I think that's it. You, you went on the horns, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, well, look, we have got you for a few moments more. So let's go to our closing arguments. You've got two minutes each. And I just want you to, to sum up your final chance to take the crown, to, to tell our listeners what it is about the personality, the culture, the environment, the style of our, of our respective cities. Simon, I've been... Lax and starting with you. So let, let's open the floor with your closing argument. I, I, I think that, uh, I mean, I listen to what Anthony said about New Yorkers, and I recognise it. Um, most New Yorkers I know are quite explicit in their love of their city. Very few Londoners will be. They think it's slightly inappropriate to be too boastful. And anyway, they don't think that way. They tend to think that way about Primrose Hill or Kensington or Chelsea or, or Borough. 
Um, but they wouldn't have said about L London to them as a nation. Uh, and I think it's a nation composed of all these different communities, and these different communities have their different personalities. And I think the loyalty of Londoners is, is, is much more pluralistic. Um, it's the different aspects of London for the different things they do. They're as fanatical about their football teams as, as, as New Yorkers are. Um, they, 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 they have their own cultural interests. I mean, one, one group will go to lots of nightclubs, another group will go to lots of theatres. They're totally different Londoners, these, these groups of people. The genius of London to me is to somehow combine them in one great metropolis. And that's what I love about London. Anthony, the floor is yours. Well, yeah, listen, I love I love the city of London. So I have a great emotion, a great feeling for that. Um, and it was a rite of passage for me to be there when I was in my youth. Um, I just see New York as this forward-facing city. Um, I see that New York uh, is in the process of rebuilding. Um, you know, I, I, I named some of the fun things like dentistry and ice cubes, but uh, what I really want to focus on is the economic mobility. And I want to focus on the the platform of opportunity that you have here in New York, and it doesn't matter where your accent's from or where you are from as a person, um, there's a great opportunity. Now, um, you know, we, we are the inventors of the first pizzeria. Uh, we brought you Scorsese and De Niro and Sylvester Stallone. Um, uh, we also brought you Seinfeld. But unfortunately, we brought you Donald Trump. So that should kill me right there, okay? I probably lost the debate right there that Donald Trump originated out of New York. But, but, but here's the thing I would say. Um, when you're thinking about a city, um, and whether it's the city of Athens 2,500 years ago or the city of Rome 2,000 years ago, I would ask the following question. When I arrive in that city, is the city's people and is the city's culture going to make me a better person? Is the city's culture and the people around me going to enrich my life and make my life a life well lived? And uh, to be totally candid with you, I think you could say that about both of these cities. Um, and you can see my love affair is centered around New York because I grew up here uh, and I had that um, in intense feeling about it. But I think both of these cities answer that sort of question, that philosophical question about a life well lived. Both these cities give you that. Thank you to Simon Jenkins and thank you to Anthony Scaramucci. We will have to leave it there. But one more reminder to you, our listeners, you decide. If you want to vote on whether London or New York won this battle, then go to intelligencesquared.com forward slash versus, that's V-S, or click the link in the podcast description to cast your vote. The poll is open and the winner will be announced in next week's episode. We'd also love to hear from you on what topics we should debate next. Email any suggestions to versus at intelligencesquared.com or to Tweet us at Intelligence2. You've been listening to Versus, a podcast by Intelligence Squared. I'm your host, Coco Khan. This episode was produced and edited by Tom Hall, and the executive producer was Farah Jassad. Thanks for listening. What are you doing right now? Perhaps you're in the supermarket. Maybe you're on a run or on the commute. But wherever you are in the world, and whatever you're doing, right now you're also listening to my voice. This is the power of podcasts. The ability to communicate with your audience in an intimate and intentional way through audio. I'm B. Duncan, Senior Partnerships Producer at Intelligence Squared. 
We've been a world-leading forum for talks, debates and events for over two decades. And we also use our cutting-edge curation, creativity and editorial expertise to elevate your brand to new audiences with podcasting. Intrigued? To find out what we can do for your organisation, book into a free consultation with me today. Find out more by going to www.intelligencesquared.com forward slash partnerships.